stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Some men aren't looking for anything logical like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Well, that was in a nutshell, was The Dark Nights, released 10 years ago today. A movie that was the second in a trilogy, but really stands, not to knock the other two, which were pretty good movies, but it really stands apart, stands alone, stands as a great and iconic film with a pretty iconic performance. Heath Ledger as the Joker, putting a very unique twist on a very old character in a way that I don't think will ever be topped. And of course, he died shortly after that performance, won the Oscar posthumously. Uh, and I think maybe that, that added to the mystique, that it was his final performance and how impressive it was. Uh, as this, this character who was always a bad guy, but in this movie was really, you know, an agent of chaos, as he put it. Look what I did to this city with a few drums of gas and a couple of bullets. Hmm? You, you know what I noticed? Nobody panics when things go according to plan. Even if the plan is horrifying. If tomorrow I tell the press that like a gangbanger will get shot, or a truckload of soldiers will be blowing up, nobody panics. Because it's all part of the plan. But when I say that one little old mare will die, well, then everyone loses their minds. Introduce a little anarchy. Upset the established order, and everything becomes chaos. I'm an agent of chaos. Oh, and you know the thing about chaos? It's bare. That's interesting because the character Batman has been around, what, since the 1940s. And it's had various uh, incarnations. Obviously, the, the Adam West Batman was, was very campy. In the 80s, we started to see where the character of Batman was, was taken to a very dark place. And very serious, dark stories were told. But it wasn't until Christopher Nolan got a hold of the franchise that the movies went there as well. Now, superhero movies are pretty big business. And over the last 10 years, there's been quite a run of superhero movies. But The Dark Knight wasn't really a superhero movie, even though it was about ostensibly a superhero. It was just a, a really bold and, and entertaining and just a really good movie. So 10 years ago today, that film was released. A, a lot of reflection on you know, the impact it had and has had since then. Uh, joining us uh, for some thoughts, very pleased to welcome to the program uh, Charles Romesco. Uh, he's a film and television critic uh, based out of Brooklyn. Has a great piece uh, today up at theguardian.com on the Dark Knight's uh, anniversary. Charles, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Glad to be on. Thanks. I mean, this was a film that, that was more or less widely praised at the time. But, but do you think the, the fondness, the appreciation for this movie has, has grown over the last decade? 
I do, yeah. Um, I think it's somewhat easy to forget how it was received at the time, which was really with unilateral praise from the critics, huge, huge box office returns. Um, mm-hmm. But these things are easy to lose sight of just because there have been so many films in the same vein to have been released in the years since. Uh, and so today, on the day of the 10th anniversary, seeing everybody, um, you know, every, every website's got their own take on the matter, uh, I think the film's profile has grown uh, from these imitators. You know, sometimes it's easy to lose sight of the legacy it's had, but then on the days when we decide to take a step back and consider the effect that it's had, it's um, really enormous, and I think people respond to that in a, in a very positive way. Yeah. Now, it's almost easy to forget that this was uh, part of a trilogy. I think the movie stands on its own in right. so many ways. What, what was so different and unique about the Dark Knight versus the first and and the third? Well, I think, um, speaking superficially, really, the big matter is uh, the presence of Heath Ledger. His Joker was an instant pop culture phenomenon regarded as, you know, a new uh, disturbing depth of of extreme acting. It was, uh, you know, won the Academy Award, very, very warmly received. And so I think that might be what sets this film apart for a lot of people just having really probably the best comic book villain in the film genre. Um, But in my piece, and this is really what I think about it, is that the matters go deeper than that, that this is a film with a more lucid, uh, well-developed sense of social uh, awareness. This is a movie that sees superheroes and supervillains less as comic book figures and more like um, uh, paramilitary forces and terrorists. Yeah, these are comic book characters, but it doesn't feel like a comic book movie. Precisely, yeah. I say that um, this one gets really the closest that the genre gets to hard realism. We think a lot about in the film how the politicians and how the police respond to threats from a supervillain as they might in a real world, which is not necessarily calling Batman and hoping that he'll take care of everything, but more thinking about the optics of the situation, how it looks for a city to have to depend on an independent operator to keep them protected when they can't protect themselves. You know, we're, we're so bombarded with superhero movies these days. I mean, it's easy to forget that there was uh, an era not that long ago where these were seen as, as somewhat risky. Um, they, they weren't quite as, as pervasive as, as they are now. Uh, you know, looking yeah, back, I mean, it's... Um... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Please continue. Well, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, we're not likely to get this kind of a, a movie ever again, are we? Well, what's difficult is that the Dark Knight was an especially risky proposition at the time because this was a film that dared to take itself very, very seriously. The, um, the comic book genre had done pretty well uh, keeping a light tone. I think of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, movies I really like very much, but... Um, they were they feel a little bit more like reading comic books from the 60s and 70s when things were you know bright primary colors and fun villains and you know galumphing adventures and then as comic book genre or as the comic book medium moved into the 80s and 90s it started to pick up uh you know more mature themes start to tangle with the uh, you know more ambitious social commentary and so we see that same process reflected in the film industry with the arrival of the dark knight and uh what's been difficult is that in the same way that the comic books in the 80s and 90s then became besotted with these, you know, uh, very grim, serious heroes that were, you know, dark people. This is the sort of uh, morass from which Spawn uh, was born. Uh, we're seeing that now in movies again, that these imitators, I think of uh, a lot of the DC pictures, Batman versus Superman, Justice League, uh, are able to imitate this feeling of, of somber uh, darkness, of, of the appearance of maturity without necessarily having the uh, brains uh, to back it up. 
Yeah, and, and that's what I find. I mean, obviously, Marvel has charted its its own path, and, and they do superhero films yeah. very differently, and people love them. Uh, so the the trap that DC seems to be in is that maybe there's there's a demand for, for grimmer and darker, but we've seen that. We saw that 10 years ago. The bar for that has been set so high, it's impossible mm-hmm. to, to, to duplicate that. Yeah, well, I mean, um, things that are easily imitated are matters of tone. You know, it's easy enough to make a dark movie. It's easy enough to make a movie in which the superhero is morally conflicted. Uh, what's difficult, things that are not easy to uh, to purloin from another movie are things like intelligence, things like wit and humor, things like uh, technical proficiency. That's actually one of the things I was most stricken by watching the movie again, however many years Spence has seen it, is just how carefully assembled this thing is. They've got these uh, action sequences that are keeping like four, five plates spinning in the air at a time. It's uh, it's very impressive, and that's owed to Christopher Nolan. And so while it's easy enough to imitate his style, there are not many Christopher Nolans in this world. Right, and there's some some Batman canons. There's some some rules of the Batman universe that I think you know the movie more or less uh, adheres to. But at the same time, it's it's not afraid to go to dark places. It's not afraid to to be bold and and daring. Right? I mean, there's there's he was willing to take chances with this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really, the crux of the conflict between the Joker and the Batman is that the Batman can bring himself to actually kill the Joker. That really goes against uh, his beliefs. As, as you know, cynical a person as Bruce Wayne is, he does still believe in the idea of justice. And so he himself does not put down the Joker like a mad dog, even though he compares himself to a rabid animal at one point in the film, he leaves him to the police. And so he adheres to this moral code while at the same time willing to go to very dark places. Uh, Batman is, you know... He's a, the Batman of Christian Bale is not your grandfather's Batman, as they say. No, and, you know, in terms of the Joker, it's still an iconic character, and there are those who have taken on the role, those who are, are I suppose, yet to take on the role. Uh, but again, I mean, you're all, they're all in the shadow of, of Heath Ledger, who had to come into this role in the shadow of Jack Nicholson. But what he did yeah. with it, I mean, it was, it, I mean, it, it made that movie, didn't it? I mean, if we'd been talking about a, a lesser performance by a lesser actor, maybe we wouldn't be talking about the movie here today. That's, yeah, I really think that is a, a huge, huge part of the formula for success. Heath Ledger, who from the jump really took himself very seriously as an actor, he studied like Brando in The Method. And there are, you know, um, <clears throat> after the production had wrapped, all these reports came out about his very intense behavior, that he sort of uh, psychologically got lost in the woods while pursuing this role, which is a person who's psychologically very disturbed and someone who's psychologically disturbed, not really in this theatrical comic book way of, you know, the, the Cesar Romero Joker from the 60s, but someone who acts more like a sociopath, someone who acts like a principled anarchist who's very good at putting their ideology into practice, which is a really, I think, a, a, a troubling thing because it's in such close proximity to reality. And what do you make of Christian Bale? And, and uh, there's somewhat divided opinion, I suppose. Uh, people have made fun of the, the growl uh, mm-hmm. over the years, obviously. I mean, he's, he's a very capable actor, and I think uh, he was a good choice to do Batman. There, there's only so much you can do, especially when you know, you're dealing with this kind of a Batman and this kind of a story. But uh, what are your thoughts as to what he brings to the table? Yeah, well, I think um, when you're performing as Batman, there's a certain element of, uh, I guess, even silliness. In a movie that's as dark as this, you do still have to act around the reality that you are a man in a bat suit running around punching other adult (laughs) men, which is, uh, as the Joker brings up, a pretty crazy thing to do. But 
I, I liked Christian Bale a lot. I, I see him as being sort of of a piece with the Daniel Craig James Bond, uh, both of them being part of an effort to add, uh, you know, grit, uh, add, add seriousness to these characters that were uh, sort of seen as kooky during the very ironic campy 90s. The Pierce Brosnan character for James Bond, you know, was a, not not exactly a goofball, but he was more of a cab than the very serious Daniel Craig James Bond. And, and likewise, when Christian Bale took over for, uh, did you come in after George Clooney, I, I believe? Um, but yeah, I think so. Yeah. But he brought it into a more grounded register. He thought of Bruce Wayne as, you know, he's a billionaire playboy. He enjoys cavorting about with Russian models, but he's really someone who takes his responsibilities uh, very seriously, someone who acts uh, more like a soldier or uh, or a policeman than a superhero, I guess. Well, uh, people can read your piece. It's up at theguardian.com. The headline, The Dark Knight at 10, How Christopher Nolan Reshaped Superhero Cinema. Uh, Charles, really appreciate uh, your input here today. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, it's been a pleasure talking about this one. Well, it's film and uh, television critic Charles Bromesco. Uh, his piece today you can find at theguardian.com, looking at the impact of The Dark Knight. It, it certainly was an influential movie. It was obviously a box office smash, but it was a great movie, right? And a uh, testament to, to a great director and Christopher Nolan and obviously a um, great performance by Heath Ledger, who did win the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, a gross oversight, I think, to, to not have the film uh, nominated as Best Picture. You know, sometimes when it comes to, to these awards, it's almost like you should wait five years and then do the Oscar nominations. Because I think, you know, our perspective changes over the years. Like, it reminds me of um, 1990. <laughs> well, there's a few other examples. 1990, maybe those egregious example of this. Goodfellas, such an iconic movie. One that is still widely watched, widely beloved to this day. Did not win Best Picture. Dances with Wolves did. Who remembers or cares about Dances with Wolves? When's the last time that was ever on TV? Because nobody wants to watch it. No one marks the anniversary of Dances with Wolves. Not that it was a terrible movie. But it was forgettable. Awakenings, Ghost, Godfather Part 3 were the other nominees. And to me, it's no contest. I mean, obviously Goodfellas was the best movie from that year. And certainly has had the longest lasting impact of any movie released that year. I mean, Joe Pesci, at least, wasn't overlooked as Best Supporting Actor. I mean, he had Kathy Bates in Misery that year. That was pretty iconic. But the rest was all, you know, kind of okay, but, but forgettable. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.